sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome back, everybody, right here onto the early line, giving you the edge on Sports Grid. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. And Kev, you know, week three begins tonight. Uh, you know, with Thursday night football, we will talk about that. We'll break that down. Look at the prop markets, look at the side, look at the total, give you some of our thoughts on that, certainly here in hour number two. But as we look at the NFL, Kev, I want to start with what is, you know, kind of a unique story here. We knew last week, right, that Justin Herbert got the start. It was kind of a last-minute decision. We knew that Tarad had a chest injury, right, that he was not able to breathe, we heard, you know, and there was something going on, and that that is why Justin Herbert got the start. Um, and then it came out yesterday that the reason Tyrod was struggling, what the injury actually was, was he's dealing with, like, a collapsed lung. Kev, you see the Schefter tweet here that, unfortunately, the Chargers team doctor accidentally punctured Tarod Taylor's lung while trying to give a pain-killing shot, you know, right before the game. And that is what led to this injury and Herbert getting the start. And now, you know, Tarod is on the doctor's advice. Like, this may be a little while. He is not being advised to play. I saw indefinitely. So, you know, obviously there's one side of this, the Herbert era. It doesn't matter, right? We talked about what Anthony Lynn was thinking, if that was right or if that was crazy. That decision point may be moot because it looks like Herbert will start for the Chargers in week three and quite frankly if he plays well again right maybe then the, the mountain of evidence comes so that you know Tarad just loses his job but um what do you think about this medical piece here the doctor punctured his lung Kev yeah I mean it, it was shocking it might have answered the questions that we were asking yesterday about whether the like why Anthony Lynn was so adamant that the starter was going to remain Tyrod. And I saw someone make the joke, although I'm not sure how much of a joke it was, that because if they didn't, he would sue the team. Which, I mean, I mean, yeah, maybe. Ah. I'm I, just a wild situation, man. I mean, and again, like in, in a way, it's almost a little unsurprising because you had to think that something crazy happened that. Because right, it was this last minute thing, right? It was this Justin emergency Herbert switch. Yeah. Start. Like, I can't stress this enough. The best reporters in the world in this league went Justin Herbert's in at quarterback. Not we're hearing it's going to be Herbert. Not, hey, Tyrod's not. It's the Chargers offense took the field. They took it with Justin Herbert. And they were like, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. I mean, from what I saw, like even from Anthony Lynn, you know, like he told Justin Herbert, like when they were going out for the coin toss, <laughs> you know what I mean? And from what I heard, Herbert himself thought Lynn was joking at first. And Lynn had to be like, no, 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 you're up. It's you. It, you're the guy here. So a very interesting situation. I just got to say, you know, like for Tarad. Right. In Buffalo, he has the bills above 500, you know, maybe going to the playoffs for the first time in like over a decade. And the bills switched to Nate Peterman for a game, ironically, against the Chargers, where he then threw like five interceptions right off the bat. 
in Cleveland. Terod is the, you know, bridge starter. He gets concussed, and then Baker Mayfield comes in and kind of Wally pips him. And then here, the team doctor injures him, and it could be the start of the Justin Herbert era. You know, I mean, I, I believe that it's just like, just sucks for Terod. No? Yeah, no, I mean, look, it's not great. You don't ever want a punctured <laughs> lung accidentally, so I don't, I don't think anyone would – would argue that I, I think the the Tyrod Taylor book would have a lot of interesting chapters in it. I'll say that. <laughs> Fair enough. You know, I would buy that book. I would read that book. But here's the thing: as we move on here, listen. The headline from week two, right, was all the injuries. As we welcome our radio audience back around the country, including the mightier 1090 out there on the West Coast. This is the early line: Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. You know, Kev, we talked about all the injuries in week two. And I mentioned the point that on Wednesdays, that's when you start to get your first practice reports. And the key is in the way they trend, right? So there's going to be a lot of people who were say DNP yesterday, but the key will be to see if they get upgraded to limited or are still DNP. I believe we have some of them here uh, to show you, but as of Wednesday, right, here are all the players that were still DNP. You know, Josh Jacobs didn't practice. Michael Thomas didn't practice. Jamison Crowder didn't practice. Zach Moss didn't practice. Christian Kirk didn't practice. Julio Jones didn't practice. Um, level of concern? Are any of these bigger than others? You see the Jacobs one up, but there is a list of them. Uh, does this matter to you? Oh, of course. Yeah, I mean, I don't see a world where Michael Thomas is playing. There seems to be a lot of concern with Devontae Adams. And uh, also Julio Jones, like he apparently wasn't really healthy last week when it was a little bit more decoy maybe than we realized going into that game. And it doesn't look like things have got a lot, you know, have gotten much better. And and I'll turn to you for this because you know this better than I do, but it's never helpful when you are playing in a fantasy league and one of your superstars is kind of on the fence to play and ultimately then goes, but then barely plays. And you're sitting there like, do I actually have what it takes to put Julio Jones on the bench for... I don't know, right? Like, you know, Gage? Like, sure. Mid-level guy, right? Yeah, the guy who would be the fourth that you use in a bi-week fill-in. But is it a Mm -hmm. bi or is he out there? You know, we saw Mike Evans be out there but be a decoy. We've seen other players that were up in the air like a Devontae Parker have a good game and score a touchdown, right? So, yes, you Mm -hmm. have to make these decisions. Please watch the practice reports today to see the way some of these guys are trending. When we come back, we'll talk about Thursday Night Football. Dolphins, Jags on the horizon. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, welcome back in, everybody. Right here onto the early line. Giving you the edge, Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. And Kev, those guys are DNP, right? But, you know, we'll see how they trend. Obviously, some big-time names in there. But remember, there's also the IR distinction this year. And it's a little bit different, right, Kev? Because the IR only means three games. And so I think it's interesting in places where that did happen this week and others 
where it did not happen this week. So, for example, Sterling Shepard, the wide receiver of the New York football Giants, was placed on IR yesterday. That means the Giants want to kind of keep him out uh, for at least three games. Christian McCaffrey of the Carolina Panthers was placed on IR. And, you know, when he was talking about that four to six weeks as a challenge and that he would try to beat it, maybe the Panthers were trying to save him from himself. You know how that one goes. But ironically, Kev, Drew Locke, not placed on IR for the Denver Broncos, right? So they're going at it with Jeff Driscoll. They bring in Blake Bortles. But the fact that they didn't put Locke on IR, to me, means they think that there's a universe where he comes back after two weeks. Yeah, and if I were the Denver Broncos, I don't think at any point I would um, look to rule Drew Locke out for any longer than necessary if you've spoken to the team doctors and you go, hey, listen, is there a world where he's ready Sooner than three weeks. And they're like, eh, if not like you said, yeah, cool. Yep, yeah, he's not going on IR. Like smash my right. starting quarterback, man. I ain't excited about Jeff Driscoll or Blake Bortles. No, thank you. So now I'm not trying to rush back through lock. That's the worst thing that you could possibly do. But if right. they're like, no, listen, this thing's healed great and he's ready to go, and I've got him on the IR for, for another week, that feels like a big mistake. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you, Kev. I just want to make the point to everybody, right? The way these things get classified in the NFL do give you uh, tea leaves to read, right? Whether they're trending in the practice reports throughout the week, whether the team makes the decision to put them on IR or not, it is three games. Similar to in baseball, right? If you're going to put them on the IL and actually put them on the shelf for the full 10 days or try to milk it through four or five days and then get them back into action. One player that um, was kind of dealing with an injury but was still out there there, certainly not on IR, was Devontae Parker, and he will be playing, it looks like, tonight on Thursday Night Football as the Jacksonville Jaguars host the Miami Dolphins. Talk to me about this game right now, Kev, where the Jacksonville Jaguars are three-point favorites on the key number of three. The total is 48 and a half. What are you looking for in this one? I don't know. I I don't know. This game has been interesting to me since roster reset time. I, I remember having a conversation with you, Dane, where I was like, you know, because like there were early look-ahead lines for prime yeah. time games, right? Right. And I said, Dane, that might be a game that I need to bet now, months mm. out, because I was excited about what the Dolphins could be, and I was willing to buy into the general concept that the Jags would be terrible, even if I also thought that Gardner Minshew was maybe better than people were giving him credit for. And at the time, the Dolphins were, I believe, small, one-point favorites, maybe one and a half, could have even been one and a half in the other direction. And now we sit here with this at three, and it's understandable as to why. The Dolphins are without Byron Jones, who they paid a lot of money to be their top corner. And the Jags, on the offensive side of the ball, look fantastic. And Gardner Minshew's thrown three touchdowns in each of the first two games of this season. And the thing is, the Jags' struggle was always supposed to be the defensive side of the ball. When you think about all the talent that left, a lot of the offensive pieces, like I understand Leonard Fournette left, but... I think we're seeing a big reason as to why people feel like running backs don't matter is James Robinson's just stepped up and in and looked really good and had a hundred yard rushing uh, game actually just last week and a score on top of that. So 
it's a spot where should we be drinking Jaguars Kool-Aid? Is there actually value on this team only laying three to a Dolphins team that sits there in 0-2? Because the Dolphins are also coming off of a week where I always thought they could cover the five and a half, but I didn't think they had any chance of doing that if the Bills put up 31 points. You know, Fitz yeah. went back to, you know, um, special Fitz magic. I can do whatever I want. Didn't throw an interception against the Bills defense. There was a thunder delay in that game. I, I just, I sit here right now. We've played two weeks. And some teams we feel like we have a good grasp on. Others, not so much. Maybe some teams kind of lining up with where we thought we're not 100% positive. These are two teams that I feel like I have absolutely no handle on through two weeks. So here's the thing, Kev. What if, what if you do have a handle on the Jaguars? You know what I mean? Like, what if they actually are this? You know, what if, I mean, think about it. They've done their two games against Indianapolis and Tennessee, right? Those are decent defenses. The Colts turned around and shut down the Minnesota Vikings, right? The Titans in their other game shut down the Denver Broncos, but not against Minshew and the Jags. I mean, Gardner Minshew is throwing to a 75% completion percentage, and he has an over 110 quarterback rating. Kev, he is one of only three quarterbacks in the NFL that can make that claim so far in 2020. The other two are named Russell Wilson and Lamar hmm. Jackson. I mean, so I guess my question on when you say you don't like have a sense of these teams, my pushback would be, what if you do have a sense of the Jaguars? You just don't want to believe it. But it's like true. You know, I add to that the Jaguars are the home team on Thursday night football. I add to that that apparently they get fans in the stands. We saw that in week one. And I'm okay laying the three, I think, with Jacksonville because I believe I am now moving to sort of believe that Minshew is going to score points with his Jags offense. Which I think is is fine. I think one of the things that a lot of people are willing to agree on is division games are weird. And there was a stretch where it did look like the Jaguars were going to get blown out. And the one thing you have to give them credit, it doesn't seem like they are at no point going to just roll over and let that happen. And, you know, listen, the same is true for the Dolphins. They they were down by double digits in that game against Buffalo and ended up only losing by three. Again, and, and that's my thing with the Jags. I'd love to be willing to buy this with the Jags. You, you know that I, I have a soft spot for this Jaguars team, you know, as an entire organization. For sure, like, Mr. Khan. Yeah. I, absolutely. Like, I, and I like Gardner Minshew. I, I, I mean, even this total, Dane, 48 and a half. Are we trusting Gardner, Minshew, and Fitz to get us into the 50s? I, maybe. But that, and that's the thing, right? Like, are this maybe this Jaguars offense is just better, right? Maybe the kid James Robinson is a NFL caliber running back. Maybe Keelan Cole, who comes out of nowhere. We know about Chark, but it's Cole who leads the team in targets and catches and touchdowns. Maybe that is a legitimate wide receiver group, you know? And I'm, I'm just starting to wonder, like, are we now just too driven by the public narrative like oh they're tanking oh they're gonna get trevor lawrence he's so much better than gardner Minshew. Minshew is doing something only russell wilson and lamar jackson are doing they're putting up points i think you know like at some point we have to believe what we see right at what point might you just start to believe this jags offense is legit no but I, and this is, I like the jags offense i care less about trevor okay. lawrence like i think it's ridiculous that he's minus 300 to be the first overall pick that's whatever to me 
we've only played two weeks and they've been two division games. They had, you know, they were down in both of those games. One of them was against Phillip Rivers, who's like the lord of losing games that you can't wrap your head around. And again, they were getting blown out for a decent stretch by the Titans. But then Garner just kept throwing the ball. He threw the ball 45 times. He's not even turning the ball over anymore. Like I said, I think Gardner Minshew can be good. But Dane, listen to what you're saying. Are we okay with Gardner Minshew being as good as Russell Wilson and Lamar Jackson? No, Absolutely. I'm not going that far. No, I'm not, not going saying, that far. What I'm saying is, if 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 you if if we're offering, oh, maybe we need to accept them for what they are. Well, what they are right now is a top five offense with a top five quarterback. Fair. What I'm saying though is, isn't there something in the middle? Right. Like, and I believe it'll settle in the middle where the hate, the preseason hate was way overblown. Yeah. No, I don't think he's, go- you know, Russell Wilson. Right. But <laughs> like, maybe they're a, maybe they're in, uh, you know, average to above average offense. And that, well, we will continue to talk about this, Kev. But when we come back, we bring in our guy, Jay, the sports keg CEO. We got a lot to talk about with him. Right. We've got a big time UFC card on the horizon this Saturday. We'll get his thoughts on Thursday night football. We got to still make some picks. I got a prop bet about a tight end in Miami that I think is good. We'll talk about all that and more when we come back right here on the early line. From now until then, get yourself caught up on everything that happened overnight with the Sports Grid News Update. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, welcome back, everybody, right here on The Grid. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh, we welcome you back, including the radio audience from around the country. Thanks for waking up early with us on the early line, especially the mightier 1090 covering the West Coast. We have, you know, we're talking football, and we will continue to talk football, but it is time for us to bring in our guy, Jay, the Sports Keg CEO. We bring him in on Thursdays. We will talk Thursday night football, but first, Jay, we've got some UFC to discuss, and you are our go-to guy for that. How you doing? this week brother man i'm doing well boys good to be with you all right as always let me ask you something i am intrigued by this fight this headline fight on saturday where we have adesanya against uh costa and here's the thing i was talking to kevin and you know i'm more of a layman here when it comes to the octagon kevin is kind of our expert and i was like kev is adesanya just better than everyone like isn't he supposed to dominate why is he only minus 180 minus 185 and kevin told me listen costa walks around at like 225 230 this is a mean big man talk to me how is costa even in this weight class and do you see that as kind of style makes fight and and the biggest thing here the the brute strength and brawn and size of costa being the factor yeah, he, he cuts like uh, 35 or 40 pounds, I think, almost, uh, to get in the cage. It should undoubtedly be the fight of the year in MMA. Mm. When, when you consider the hype around the fight, the skill level of both fighters, and the fact that these are two mixed martial artists that have never really tasted defeat ever. So Adesanya um, is for the newer fans of the sport, this generation's Anderson Silva probably, uh, he has next level striking creativity and accuracy. And the gym that he fights for right now in city kickboxing is probably the hottest gym in the world right now. 
There, there were a lot of people that thought his fight with Yoel Romero was really bad. And if you don't understand, like, what was happening in that fight, I could see why you would think that. Adesanya is really a true counter-striker that is incredibly reactive on what his opponents do. So, in the fight with Yoel Romero... He had to lead almost every exchange because Romero really did nothing, and it seemed like he was almost there to collect a check. So when, when you look at what he did against Kelvin Gastelum, Robert Whitaker, Adesanya was truly in his element and fighting his fight. Paolo Costa is going to walk into the cage, man, being the freak that he is, and he's going to come to take like Adesanya's soul. So Costa is <laughs> going to lead every single exchange, uh, he's going to take the fight to Adesanya, which is exactly really what Izzy needs for all of us to see the best version of Adesanya. So there are some questions I have in the fight, though, that I think determine the outcome. Number one, Paolo Costa was never able to get the kill shot on Yoel Romero. And at 42 years old, Romero took every punch that Costa had to offer and never really got dropped so, you know, Costa throws crazy swing punches, um, and he has gotten away with it without being really technically sound in his striking exchanges. So if he doesn't find the kill shot in the first three rounds, he will have a very hard time winning this championship, I think, especially in the later rounds. He looked gas at the end of round three in the Romero fight. And if we know anything, we know that Adesanya could fight 10 rounds if he had to. So hmm. the second thing, we've always seen Adesanya do what he does best in space. And we have never seen somebody successfully cut the cage off and really corner him. So we know that Costa is going to try to corner him. If he is able to do that, will Adesanya still be effective? Because it's the only way that I see Costa being successful. I can't see Costa beating Izzy if he has the normal amount of space that, that he's had to work from range. He's one of the most gifted range strikers that we've seen in 25 years. So I, I think that Adesanya will pick him apart if he has the proper space to do so. But, you know, it'll get very interesting if Costa can cut the cage off and force him to only fight in the pocket. If you think that Paulo Costa wins the fight, he wins it one way. He stops Adesanya. Mm -hmm. So you, you don't take... Don't yeah, you don't take the plus one fifty that's being offered. You you take the plus two twenty-five by knockout for the extra value. I really want to take Costa, but I have the feeling that I really need to see somebody beat this kid first hmm. before I pick against him. I, I followed his journey since the Australian fighting championship, and he's the real deal. So I need to see somebody stop him from doing what he wants at range. So it's not going to be easy for Costa to hit Adesanya clean. Izzy's got sick head movement, and he is ridiculously elusive. So, you know, we may never see this cheap a price on Israel Adesanya again, literally. So I lean towards the—I see offshore markets are hanging as low as minus 160. I think it could drop lower only wow. because Costa is such a hype train. That mm -hmm. I could see the public buying in. So I'm going to take out Asanya in this fight. I don't feel great about it, but I'm going to take him. I want to get your thoughts on the total in this fight because I always find those bets to be interesting and you've always done great for us in that market. But before we get there, I'm curious what you think about the seemingly bad blood that exists between these two. 
the build to this fight. It's a Cormier Jones and McGregor versus anybody type of build where there seems to be some legitimate hatred there between these two guys. And the way you're describing it, it makes me nervous if I were someone that wanted to back Costa because if he comes in and he's reckless, someone as creative as Izzy will find an angle and he will kick his head off. So do you think that the bad blood that exists and the approach that Costa comes with is a part of the reason you don't really want to back it because it might just be far too reckless against someone as polished as Izzy? I think anytime Paolo Costa steps in the cage, even uh, for somebody that he likes and respects, like Yoel Romero, he was like an idol of his. He still goes in there wild, and he's looking to like end your life. I think mm-hmm. it's only going to be worse, and he's probably only going to be even more wild in this fight. And yeah, that's exactly why I have to take Adesanya, because he's such a good counter-striker, and he's so technically sound that he, as long as he keeps his cool, which he has always done in that cage, I think he's going to pick him apart if he doesn't get caught. Yeah, exactly. That's very interesting. It sounds like maybe Costa knockout, but Adesanya, if you're thinking he's picking him apart, could that be, can I get more value if I go Adesanya by points? I mean, you know, Izzy's got the power. I mean, he made okay. he made Robert okay. Whitaker look look stupid. So <laughs> I, I, it wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't shock me to see him put Costa down. All right, let me ask you about what, this other fight here. Oh, do you still have something on this one? Yeah, I just want to. What do you want to do with this total here, Jay? At FanDuel, it's over two and a half minus one thirty four to that over. Do we get you know past the third round here? Yeah, I think if Adesanya is still conscious, we probably see the third round in this fight. Yeah, definitely. All right. You know, so and it sounds like you think Adesanya is just too polished. Right. And it almost may open up a liability for Costa to, to, to go in as reckless as his M.O. Because, you know, Adesanya can find that angle, you know, duck, dodge, be elusive and then, you know, pop him or kind of take control. I do want to ask you about this other fight, which, Jay, correct me if I'm wrong, is for the vacated John Jones belt. Right. I, I mean, we've got Reyes and, and, and Blahovich here. Talk to me about this one. Uh, you know, we, we're getting another strap involved. Yeah, while prepping for this fight, I went back and I rewatched that Jones fight for the third time. I wholeheartedly believe that Dominic Reyes should already be the UFC light heavyweight champion right now. He won that fight 48-47. I just don't understand how you could see it any other way. So I think that Dominic Reyes gets what he deserves on Saturday night. Um, He is an incredibly skilled striker. He hit John Jones more. And he made him look as bad as any other human that has ever made Jones, uh, that has ever fought Jones inside of a cage. And he's really tough to beat, man. He initiates exchanges. He's very creative. His hand speed is great for a light heavyweight. He is extremely accurate. And if you take a look at who is... uh, 
who his opponent has beaten in the last three years. I have to say, man, Blahovich, he's impressive. He's seven and one the last three years, his only loss being to Tiago Santos. And in that time, he beat Jacare Souza, uh, Rockhold, Corey Anderson, Jared Cannonier, and on and on. So when, when you look at Blahovich, he, he doesn't look that impressive in the cage. His striking style really clunky. He seems robotic at times. Um, but it's effective. So he's also a very underrated grappler that's got a black belt in BJJ. He rarely relies on it, though. So I was looking for a way to get on him here because you can't deny that resume or the price on him. But after watching the tape this week, this line is where it should be. Dominic wow. Reyes appears to be so much faster and so much more skilled on the feet than Blahovich. However, I really don't want to lay minus 290 on him. So I haven't been anything yet in the fight, but a couple interesting angles that I was looking at. Fight ends by knockout at minus 160. Reyes by knockout at, at plus 120. Another angle was even though I think there's a really good chance that this fight does end inside the distance. It would not shock me if it happened in round three, four, or five. So round three starts is minus 140. I thought that was a little intriguing. I thought there, there could be a little value there. Uh, if you had to pin me down, it would probably yeah. be fight ends by knockout at minus 160 because then you have both guys. But I think somebody probably goes to sleep. All right, we're going to talk more about this. We also want to get your thoughts on some Thursday night football. AJ, we got to take a quick break here. You know, we got to pay some bills and stuff. Hang around with us. We want to talk more about this fight. I want to get your thoughts on Thursday night football, and we will do all of that when we come back right here on the early line. Dane Martinez, Kevin Walsh burning the candles, and the Sports Keg CEO keeps with us when we come back right here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, welcome back, everybody, right here onto the early line on SportsGrid, giving you the edge, Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. And we are still joined by our guy, Jay, the Sports Keg CEO. We bring him in on Thursdays, talk a little bit of UFC, and get his thoughts on Thursday Night Football as well. But, Kev, I know in this fight, you know, there's some kind of strategic elements still at play. He says Reyes kind of, you know, deserves to have the strap right now. What do you think, Kev? Yeah, so and that's kind of what I want to ask you about, Jay, because there's a lot of people whose opinion I trust, certainly yours is included in that, that believe Dominic Reyes is kind of the uncrowned champion of this division. So when I saw that minus 290, I was like, is this number being inflated? You've told us you believe that it is spot on. Now, I struggle to lay that kind of number, and you kind of gave us an idea as to why, when the expectation is somebody's going to get knocked out 290 is a monster price if, you know, the two fighters are on somewhat comparable levels. The question yep. then becomes, at what point is Blahovich the play? Because I don't see, and maybe I'm wrong here, a world where Dom starts getting bet down. People far more familiar with him because he actually got to dance with Jones. Blahovich didn't get that opportunity. 
Yeah, I I agree completely with you. Oh, there are only, you know, a very rare few that I would ever lay $3 on somebody. And you bring up an interesting point. Now, I based the odds off my handicap of the styles of, of, of both these guys and their skills. But I agree with you. I definitely think there are a lot of people that think he beat John Jones, me included, and I the line probably only goes up from here. Not many people even really know what Blahovich is about. He doesn't get a ton of respect in the public's eye. So, yeah, I mean, if this number gets super inflated going into Saturday night and, like, you start to see, like, plus 300, then, yeah, maybe it's worth a look because you're right. Anytime somebody's going to get knocked out, you know, you, you struggle to lay uh, $3. So, yeah, I mean, I pretty much agree with you here, man. Uh, is there a price that I would take a shot on him? Yeah, probably plus $3. But at plus 225, plus 230, I, I'd rather pass than bet him because I think Reyes mm -hmm. is that much better. Dane, my brother, I think you might be muted uh, or we're figuring yep, my out bad, your audio My bad, my bad, here we are. All good? Yeah, absolutely. Thank <laughs> you. Uh, you know, we got stuff going on here in Uptown Manhattan, trust me, bright and early in the morning that should not be on these airwaves. But let me ask you this. Um, you know, what I was saying, guys, is that usually we bring in Jay on Friday. Right. With only one day left to the matches right here on Thursday because of the football season. So I think that's a great way to talk about it, that there is still a threshold. Right, guys, where maybe it gets out of whack and you do kind of come back on Blahovich. But let's turn our attention because one of the reasons, Jay, we bring you in now on Thursdays because of football season is to get your thoughts on Thursday night football. Tonight we have an interesting matchup. I find it as one of those prototypical early season ones, Dolphins, Jags. It seems like the Jags always get that spot on a Thursday night to kind of fulfill their national television obligations. But here's what I want to ask you and what I said to Kevin before you joined the show. Are the Jaguars actually a better offense now under Gardner Minshew? Like, how much stock do you put into this Gardner Minshew start? I made a stat, Jay, that, you know, his completion percentage, his passer rating is up at the realm of Lamar Jackson and Russell Wilson. Now, I don't think that stays for sure. But even you said you bumped up the Jags a, a lot in your power rating. So tell me how you see this. All right. Here's what I'll say. I think that they made the right move putting the kid in and, and giving him the job. I, I think he's done well with it. I have upgraded them. They were dead last in week one, like eight points worse than, than a team on a neutral field. And now they're like 25th or 26th, around four and a half points worse. Mm. Here's the thing. Football Outsiders has them as the number six offense in the league. I don't buy that. <laughs> I, I think, I think that's... I right. think that's a rid ridiculously small sample size. Uh, do I think that the offense is better than we thought it would be? Probably. Yeah, I would right. agree with that. Now, now the analytics have loved the Miami Dolphins either through two weeks, but I don't think that they've looked as bad as the metrics say they do. They played two teams that can easily make the playoffs in, in the AFC, and I thought for the most part they held their own. Fitzpatrick is always going to make it interesting. He will either play you right in or right out of a game <laughs> with, with three touchdowns or three picks. I, I think that Matt Breida, Miles Gaskin uh, haven't been that bad through two weeks, and 
and and Fitzmagic looks like he likes Kasicki as a target. Yeah. Uh, the defense has struggled, though, man. They gave up 520 yards of offense to the Buffalo Bills. Now, ha- have the Bills' offense improved? Yes. Uh, does Allen look better than last year? Maybe. But 525 <laughs> yards is a lot of yards. So, you know, Jacksonville, a team that started, like I said, dead last. They moved up seven spots through the first two. Um, but that still brings them to 25. They were minus two in turnovers last week against the Titans, and they still only lost by a field goal to a team that many people think are going to the playoffs. So I do respect Jacksonville more than I did at the start of the year. So I have both these teams four and a half points worse uh, than an average team on a neutral, okay? Now, even if you add in my adjusted home field advantage uh, for my power ratings has been a flat one and a half across the board with no fans, but maybe even less in this case because they're both in Florida and there isn't really travel. But let's say one and a half. That still gives me, I think, a point and a half's worth uh, of value on the Miami Dolphins here, and I think that's solid. So I, I have no real opinion on the full game total. I, I can't trust mm. both those offenses to get up and over that number. No way. So, um, but I do think an, an interesting look might be uh, the Dolphins team total over twenty two. I think, you know, it, it could be correlated with the plus three if you take the Dolphins on the spread, but that's about all I have. Yeah, I was I was going to ask you about the total, and I know, I know you said you don't have an opinion on it, but it's a number that, you know, when I saw we were looking ahead to a matchup before lines are posted, you go, Dolphins, Jags, hey, who knows? That could be wild. Maybe I'll bet an over in that game. I didn't think it was going to be 48 and a half. I didn't think that's I was going to be 50 points from Gardner Minshew and Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah. Like, yeah. This, like, this is a game that none of us should be betting, but we're all going to be betting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 100%. But that's my point. Can, how do you lay a field goal, okay, with a two-week sample size in a Jacksonville Jaguar season ever? I just can't. <laughs> I right. just no, can't. I think that's do a that. very good point. <laughs> you know, when you say that in a vacuum, I'm like, yeah, you're right. But and I guess my only counter back is to your point. You know, they're increasing in your mind, right? You're raising oh, yeah. them, and yes. that that would be the only thing, right? Is if we still don't trust our own eyes on what we see. You're right. It is a small sample size, right? But I wonder if two months from now we were say we're going to be saying we were slow. To respect this Jaguars offense. I don't know the answer to that question. You could yet. be right. You know what I mean? Yeah, you could but be right. But that's what I think mm-hmm. it is. So let me ask you about this. One of the things you mentioned here, um, Jay, was that it seems like Fitzpatrick likes the tight end Mike Gasicki, right? And yeah. I am intrigued by him in the prop market. He leads tight ends in the NFL with 160 yards. And I look at his prop bets, right? For Gasicki, I see 49 and a half as his receiving yard total. I think he may be able to get over that. Um, personally, do you like any props? I mean, last week you gave us Joe Burrow. I was on it also, but who knew he was going to lose seven yards on a read option, right? So I understand that. I like the Gasecki props. Are you anywhere on the prop bets uh, tonight? Well, I'll tell you, my ass is still burned from that Burroughs. Uh, yeah. right <laughs> I mean, we had that dead to right. Yeah, All right, I know. But anyway, Trust me, I know. <laughs> and, anyway, one of the kids that, that are at the keg with me that I respect tremendously in the NBA and NFL props market is on his over 48 and a half yards. Gazicki so, as well? um, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I bet it also because I really respect him. So, yeah, I mean, I, he agrees with you, and that's good enough for me. <laughs> Kev? Yeah, I, I mean, for, for me, I guess that, you know, we stare at this game, and I'm trying to figure out, because you also mentioned the back. Like, this is a thing. We're all talking about, like, these Dolphins players. Like, Miles Gaskin's been the best back, but he's got 12 carries to show for it. Jordan Howard is literally averaging less than a yard per carry, but has two touchdowns to show for it. He's plus 230 to score. Like, I'm trying to even go through these props markets here. In a total that's 48 and a half, Jay, I think the one thing that I can say is, even if it goes under, there's probably still five or six touchdowns in this game. Are there any guys that you want to trust to be anytime touchdown scorers? Uh, not really. Not not really <laughs> because, because of exactly what you just said. I mean, who do you rely on? I mean, could you name five playmakers on both these teams combined? Like 10 out of 10 people walking the street couldn't do that. You know what I mean? So I I, I got to tell you, like, there's probably one bet other than the prop bet, the prop bet I tailed um, Tyler on. I, I'm probably just gonna throw a half unit on the Fins plus three and sit back and watch the shit show because I don't know, like, that, what, <laughs> what else are you gonna do? You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I hear you. Remember, and I told it to you. Remember last week, Jay? It's like the Brazilian steakhouse. Sometimes you turn the coast to the red, brother, man. And we may have something with that. Okay, but it does think you do seem to like Adesanya. You do think Reyes, you know, kind of is that uncrowned champ. And we'll get it done. Jay, thanks for spending a couple of minutes with us. As always, we'll bring you back on next Thursday to do it again. All right? Same bad time, same bad channel. Thank you, boys. All Thanks, right, Jay. sounds good. And, and, and you know, Kev, it's interesting, right? Because we've been kind of handling this Thursday night football game in a similar way to what Jay said, right? He's like, I'm just going to sit back and watch. Um, it's tough to trust anything with these two teams based on the sample size we've seen thus far. Yeah, no, it is. The, the guy that I'm most interested in, though, is Miles Gaskins. I just don't know, are we going to get to a point where they fully trust him with – the workload here or will they get i mean he's got 16 carries he's averaging yeah. 5.4 yards per carry matt breed has got 12 carries he's averaging 4.9 yards per carry jordan howard has 13 carries he's averaging 0.8 now i wouldn't be surprised if a lot of those maybe have come on the one yard line and that sure. might have something sure to do with back. that for howard but, but miles gaston has also been involved in the passing game a lot like, we thought that was Matt Breda's role. He's got two targets. Yep. Gaskin has 11 targets on the season. So maybe over a receiving yards prop for him on the Jaguars side of things. You know, one of the most talented players in this game is DJ Shark. And sure. he leads this team in yards. He's got a score. But also, a little banged up. And mm-hmm. I don't know how much we really want to be betting on guys that are banged up right now. He's going to play. That's the trend that we seem to be on. He's going to be active for this game. But do you feel great about backing a guy in this game who's less than 100%? I certainly don't. Keelan Cole, the Viscous Chenault. Again, I like these players. We're buying James Robinson. He's got an over-under 70 and a half yards. It's a lot yeah. of yards, man. I mean, I had That's Josh true. Jacobs over the other night that was less than James Robinson. What are we doing with this game? 
Yeah, I know, and that's the thing. I personally have my eye on Keelan Cole. He was a waiver wire diamond this week. Remember, he actually, you mentioned Shark leads in yards. I think it's about like six yards over Cole, and Cole leads in targets, catches, and touchdowns. And then, you know, the Miles Gaskin idea, he was one of my diamonds as well on the waiver wire because, you know, they traded for Matt Breida, but it is Gaskin that seems to be the lead dog here and a part of, of the passing game, as you mentioned, maybe Jordan Howard has that short yardage role like you're talking about. All right, when we come back, we tie a nice, neat little bow on this episode, and we push Kev to make a pick on Thursday Night Football. We'll do that when we come back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line, giving you the edge on SportsGrid. Dan and Kevin. Kev? We got Thursday Night Football to talk about. We've been talking about it for most of hour two. We heard what Jay said. I I, I got two places in this game. I do like the Gasicki prop bet. I think he is emerging as a top target in this passing game. I don't think the number's caught up yet. I'm going to go to over. I believe it's 48 and a half for Gasicki. And, you know, I'm going to believe I'm going to believe that this Jaguars offense is getting better and people are just slow to accept it. And I think I'm going to take the home team on Thursday night football with fans in the stands as long as it's a field goal or less. I think I'll lay three with the Jags and Minshew. Yeah, um, I don't blame you. I am lying to say that I am decided definitively what I will do. I think I will come to a stance at some point during the day. My early lean is towards playing the game under. Not very fun. My early lean on the side, probably to take Jacksonville, but I don't feel great about it. Props market, I've got Miles Gaskin circled. I wanted to play Gardner Minshew's over one and a half touchdown passes. It's minus 180. I had a Mm. terrible track record last year of laying juice on touchdown passing props and losing. I don't want to go down that road again. Fits over yards, maybe as somewhat of a pseudo hedge on an under, might be an option. Jordan Howard has scored a touchdown in first two games. He's plus 230 to score. That jumps out to me as well. And maybe even though I said I don't love that he's not, not fully healthy, DJ Shark in the receiving game, and maybe even Lavishka Sonalt at 35 and a half, and Keelan Cole's 46 and a half. Byron Jones is out, and we saw the Bills torch this secondary. And yeah. that, I mean, he left that game super early on. We're looking at the Jags as a defense to target. The same might be said for the Dolphins without Byron Jones. Yep, that is fair. I think I'm at even more reason why I could put my chips behind Gardner Minshew and that Jags offense tonight. We'll talk about it all tomorrow. And by all, I mean week three football. I mean Western Conference Finals. We'll have a jam-packed Friday. Have a great day. The morning after is up next here on SportsGrid. Kevin and I will talk tomorrow on the early line. Have a great day, everybody. Hopefully those bets come on in. 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.